Can we talk something else? Can, can we talk about something else? Hello. Out there. It's unsettling to think that there may be people around you who would see you dead if they knew they could, one, benefit from your death, and two, not be held responsible. That second factor there prevents a lot of murder in the world. The prospect of having to pay for your actions while receiving less than nothing in return is a bit of a turn off. But make no mistake, they are among us. Sleeper cell assassins that don't even know themselves what they are until the seed sprouts in their murderously fertile mind, planted by the perfect circumstance, and a plan is hatched. Yes, it's unsettling to think, to know, that near certainly, as near as your lover or child, lies the potential for you to eventually end up the subject of a true crime podcast. Welcome to Dark Topic. I'm your host, Jack Luna. This is a true crime happening. A happy accident. August 23rd, 1995. Donna Winger has just landed at the St. Louis airport. And I should clarify that Donna Winger is not an airplane. She is a new mother, holding her three-month-old, recently adopted baby, Bailey. And she is so proud and happy. The 31-year-old operating room technician has just wrapped up a trip to Florida to introduce baby Bailey to her parents. Donna and her husband Mark, a 32-year-old nuclear power plant engineer, have relocated from Florida to Springfield, Illinois for Mark's work. The two wanted a large family, but hadn't been able to have children. The couple are excited for their future with Bailey in the picture now. Mark Winger, however, isn't excited enough to pick them up from the airport. A driver has been hired for the task. 28-year-old Roger Harrington. Employed by the BART shuttle service, Roger puts down his cardboard sign with the word Winger printed on it when Donna approaches and opens the side door of his shuttle van to welcome her and her baby inside. The drive will take a couple of hours and many years off of Donna's life. She can't believe the conversation. Roger seems to think it appropriate to share his attraction to older women and his experience in attending sex parties. If that weren't inappropriate enough, Roger, who's white, tall, gangly, strong-looking, he has dark hair in the style of Seinfeld's at the time. Dark eyes. The type of eyes that seem to be calculating how far he can go without being slapped. Roger shares with the mother who's busy with her baby in the back of the shuttle van that he has violent fantasies and believes they come from a demon that's affected him. An alter ego he calls Dom. Roger Harrington, speaking to Donna through the rearview mirror, has a mask he wears that looks like a Komodo dragon head. 
Those eyes in the mirror sure look reptilian to Donna. He's not wearing the mask. He just explains he has it at home. But those eyes look reptilian. And she begins to fear that this clear maniac is going to turn off the highway and take her to some underground lair. But finally, they make it home. Good to know that he knows where she lives now. It's amazing these guys who get a girl in a situation where it's one-on-one and they interpret any, all well, the attention that they're getting. I mean, they have to be getting attention when it's one-on-one unless they want to be mute. And in that case, they'll call him a bitch. And in this case, in which they're reciprocating, you know, the, with the conversation that's being thrown at them, they're again a bitch if they don't agree to have sex with them. <laughs> right? These fucking guys. So when her husband, Mark, hears about Donna's wild ride home, he goes ballistic. From all appearances, Mark Winger seems to be a well-put-together, soft-spoken, practicing Jew, just like his wife, a harmless, hard-working professional, very intelligent, known to have a sly sense of humor, like Seinfeld, <laughs> throwback. But this threat to his family brings out a side maybe not seen since his active duty military days. He wants Roger Harrington's stupid hairy head on a platter, does Mark Winger. Mark complains to the shuttle service, and soon Roger Harrington is put on suspension for his actions. It's not long after this that Donna begins receiving threatening phone calls while Mark's at work. It's silence on the line. And the silence has a deadly feel. There's nothing more terrorizing or threatening than the threat of absolutely anything at any time coming your way through the promise that silence makes on such phone calls. Mark tells Donna she needs to write down in detail everything that happened on that frightening ride home from the airport. In case something happens, you know. Donna does, and she clips it to a fridge magnet when finished. It's written on like three pieces of notepaper, yellow notepaper. This is her style to keep everything on top of mind, out in the open. Like the hammer on the table, which is a reminder to Mark he needs to hang a few things. But not all is open, at least not when it comes to Mark Winger. He's got a lot on his mind. The finances aren't where he wants them to be. Even though him and his wife, they have excellent careers, He's not happy with his current middle-class predicament. He thinks he deserves more. And it's being kind of siphoned from him with this wife and now this child. You know, this baby that's here to worry about out of nowhere. Yeah, he wanted kids. And he's taken to baby Bailey more than he thought. But that was really all for Donna. What about Mark? Well, even though from the outside it looks like he's just happy to be a provider, Mark Winger gets his on the side, and for a while he's been getting his from Donna's best friend, Deanne Schultz. That's a concern. If that's ever found out, then the whole facade crumbles. There's video of uh, Donna and her best friend, Deanne, holding the baby, going back and forth with her. Little does Donna know that she's going back and forth with her best friend when it comes to her husband uh, sexually, which is so fucked up. So, he's smart, Mark Winger. Mark knows that his mistress has something to lose here, too, should the truth come out. This is a tactic done by any low-life cheater 
you know, there are a lot of people who cheat and get caught immediately because not immediately, but eventually because they promise the girl or the girl promises the guy that they'll leave the person they're with. And then when that doesn't happen, they rat them out uh, for spite. But if that person has something to lose too, say they're with somebody else or say they're best friends with your wife, well, then there's kind of an insurance policy there. I mean, that's some, that's some game <laughs> for, for those of you looking to get out there. So it's stressful, you know, keeping secrets. Not that I do that, okay? I just said that like I do that. But if I was to do that, which I would fucking never do that at this age, that's some game. It's stressful keeping the secrets. Mark Winger combats this by keeping in shape, lifting weights and running on his treadmill in the basement. He kind of works at his stress that way. He's running from reality, running from the fact that he's shitty. Not that it bothers him personally, the fact he's cheating on his wife. The Mark Wingers of the world are everywhere. Those who know exactly what they are and only work to conceal it. And you know what people don't know don't hurt them, but it does hurt you, doesn't it? It does hurt you morally, the way that you look at yourself. The only struggle that he's having is that he's having to keep up this act. You know, it is fun. It's exciting to navigate the world in a costume, especially when you're a fucking psychopath like this guy. But currently he stands to lose it all should Donna find out. Donna with the busy-bodied sisters whom he managed to get away from and moving to Springfield, Illinois, from Florida. Uh, the family is very much involved when he was there, and he, he got away with this job. And I think part of it was that he wanted to, you know, be able to uh, bang a bunch of women on the side and nobody spot him at the baseball game. It's annoying, family life. Necessary, sure, but what kind of man doesn't have a family? It's annoying. To be tied down when you're a Mark Winger, but it's necessary. You need to show the world that you have it all together. But at the same time, if you're a psychopath, blending in with society is annoying, though necessary. Sociopath. I get those mixed up. I don't know. I think he's a psychopath. The only thing better than a well-structured plan is a structure that begs to be fit with the plan. Sometimes opportunities present themselves. And life changes. People die. Inheritance arrives. And now your crackhead son owns the franchise. We make the most of it. Especially the Mark Wingers of the world. We rise from the ashes like a cash-strapped superpower suddenly on the hunt for weapons of mass destruction in a desert packed with oil. You know what I'm talking about. A happy accident. Like when Mark Winger was forced to make this phone call less than a week after his wife's harrowing ordeal with Roger Harrington. August 29th, 1995, 4.45 p.m. And I'm going to look out for you a little bit here. Turn down your volume a little bit. It'll save your ears. It's kind of staticky. I hate when podcasts do that, just slam you with a phone call that is horrific in its sound quality. Turn down your volume just a little bit. It'll save your ears. Yeah. <laughs> 
I'm not going to screw with you too much here. I want to point out a couple of things right off the bat that he said. And it's that he's got a bullet in his head. It ends up that he has two bullets in his head. Right? And I'll explain that later. The other thing is I got to hold my wife. The operator, I mean, that's a tough spot. She shouldn't say, no, don't go hold your wife. Don't fuck with the crime scene. But him going and holding his wife, if there's something screwy going on here, which, uh, spoiler alert, there is, he shouldn't be touching her and getting blood on her, on himself, uh, that could have come in some other way other than grabbing her. So here's what Mark tells investigators. He'd been on the treadmill when he'd heard some type of disturbance upstairs. He'd gone to see what was the matter. Following the sounds of the baby to the master bedroom, where he discovered Bailey squirming on her back, unharmed, but unattended to, which was highly unusual for his wife Donna to leave her like that, next to hear some kind of grunting noises coming from the living room. Mark Winger senses danger, so he retrieves his forty-five from the dresser and begins stalking down the hallway with the gun in front of him towards the odd sounds. At the end of the hallway, he finds Donna in the living room with another man. She is on her knees. The man is hitting her over the head with a hammer. Mark's hammer. The one he was supposed to use to hang a shelf and some pictures with. He fires, hitting the intruder in the back of the head. This stuns the man and Mark is forced to let off another shot. This time right through the forehead. Donna lays convulsing on the ground. Her brain's protruding from the half a dozen or so holes in her own head. Mark Winger then calls 911. And wow, what a thing to happen. Donna later dies from her injuries. The man on the floor, Roger Harrington, the driver that had driven her home from the airport, remember? He's pronounced dead on the scene. His shitty brown car, it looks like something a wannabe mobster would drive, like a New Yorker, is parked facing traffic in front of the house. In the car is a note with the name Mark Winger, the time, 4.30, and the winger's home address. There are a few oddities about the crime scene. It appears Roger Harrington had shown up somewhat casually, as his yellow coffee mug and a pack of cigarettes are on the living room table. 
It feels odd to investigators that Roger would be in the house drinking coffee without Mark knowing he'd arrived. Mark Winger tells investigators that he had called Harrington that morning after getting his number from his employer, which is true. Mark claims he threatened the man over the phone, and that's what must have set him off, which we'll come to find might not be true. Winger is covered in blood, his wife's. Roger Harrington is also soaked, but only with his own blood, which they'll come to find later. There's a lot wrong here, but much is being overlooked, considering the story found in the refrigerator in Donna's handwriting that Mark points them to. That story she wrote seems to tell the tale of what went down here. Mark Winger is heralded as a hero. When one officer realizes he knows Roger Harrington, knows him as a shitty tenant from a trailer park that he owns, a real pain in the ass with obvious mental problems and a history of institutionalization, the investigation quickly wraps up. It's pretty clear here. Nobody wants Mark to be put under suspicion in any way. He's been through enough and the press is grabbing this and there's information leaking and everybody wants it to be what it appears to be. And though there are investigators who shake their heads when the case is closed, wondering why Donna was face down and Roger lying on his back, obviously having been rolled over and shot a second time as if executed, you know, they're shaking their heads as the whole thing goes away. Mark had claimed the blood on him to have come from holding his wife. So if that were true, and she's face down, what did he do? Drop her on her face when he realized she was dead or on her way out, which she wasn't? He just flops his wife on her face and goes outside to meet the officers? <laughs> You'd think he'd lay her down or he'd be sitting with her when they came in. And there's blood spatter. Large spatters on Mark's shirt. There's none on Roger, but whatever, I guess. I wouldn't want to spoil a hero story. And what about the gun casings? Mark claimed to have made two incredible shots in succession from the hallway. But the casings are deep in the living room and not where they should be further back in the hallway as these casings shoot from this gun back up behind it as they shoot, right? So what do you do? Just kick them into the room? Two of them? What if he's using both of his feet to just like slog him into the room? How about the fact that Mark gets off the line while speaking to the 911 operator, like I mentioned, claiming his baby's crying, when the only sound in the background is that of Roger Harrington seemingly moaning back to life? It was moaning back to life with one gunshot wound in his head. He said, I shot him once, right? Kind of suspicious for Mark to get off the phone at that time, especially since a neighbor claims to have heard both gunshots and that they came about four minutes apart not in succession like Mark claims they happened. And it's again, you know, it's oh well. But wait, there's one more thing. What about Roger's roommate at the trailer, so Roger Harrington, the driver, his roommate at the trailer that one of the cops owns, who shares that Roger was excited and relieved to have received a call from Mark Winger that morning, inviting him over to get the whole mess figured out face to face. What about that? And oh well. Rosetta Stone, everybody. You know, for a long time, I've been wanting to go to Japan, but the thing holding me back is that I'm intimidated by the language. And that's why I've been going pretty hard at the Rosetta Stone service. I want to be able to take my girl to Japan, a place that she's always wanted to go, and suddenly just start speaking fluent Japanese at the restaurant. That's my goal. 
<laughs> Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on a desktop or as an app, and it truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It's been a trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users, 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. Rosetta Stone immerses you in a bunch of ways. Uh, there's an intuitive process where you pick up the language naturally, first with words and phrases, then sentences. They have the speech recognition feature. Built-in true accent gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Uh, it's like having a personal trainer for your accent. It's convenient, and it's an amazing value, especially with this offer here. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Dark Topic listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. All right, everybody, Badlands food. I've been thinking about getting a dog with my little family. We're about to introduce a dog, I believe, at some point here. And I have an interest in how we're going to be treating said dog. And it occurs to me, you know, that many dogs suffer from health issues, and with Badlands Food, actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her foundation, says she's seeing more issues with dogs' joints, odors, and health than ever before. And after doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can look to improve any dog's health. She's looking at their food. What she discovered is that the way many dog foods are made can actually create toxins that could be wrecking our dog's health. And this is true even for many premium brands. Fortunately, she found that by just adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step step how anyone can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. It caught my attention, and as I'm about to uh, get a dog, I think that I'm going to uh, use this service, so I thought I'd share it with the audience as well. Uh, I know many of you have dogs. If you want to keep your dog healthy and happy, go to badlandsfood.com slash dark topic and watch Catherine's video right now again that's b-a-d-l-a-n-d-s-f-o-o-d.com slash dark topic to check it out badlandsfood.com all right everybody zipix toothpicks this is something that i use all the time so this episode is brought to you by zipix nicotine toothpicks Zipix brings you a totally satisfying, convenient, and great-tasting way to curb your nicotine cravings. Now you can get your nicotine fix anytime, anywhere, without having to rely on smoking or vaping. Zipix toothpicks give you an easier, better, and more discreet way to get your fix. They're available in six great, long-lasting flavors, and they have options in 2 milligrams and 3 milligrams of nicotine. Zipix are perfect for flights, sporting events, restaurants, podcasting... <laughs> Uh, literally anywhere that you smoke or vape, where that's banned. They're also one of the most cost-effective nicotine products on the market. Zipix also offers caffeine and B12-infused toothpicks if you're not a nicotine user or if you're trying to get away from your nicotine habit. Zipix have already helped tens of thousands of customers, including myself, to get their nicotine fix without needing to inhale smoke or vape oils. Make your lungs happy and try Zipix nicotine-infused toothpicks. So ditch the cigarettes, ditch the vape, and get some nicotine-infused toothpicks at zipixtoothpicks.com today. Get 10% off your first order by using the code DARKTOPIC at checkout. Your lungs will be glad you did, 
Must be 21 years of age or older to order. Warning, nicotine is an addictive chemical. Zip more, smoke less with Zipix. Nicotine toothpicks. Nobody wants to see it. Even when Mark marries the new nanny. Later on, a couple of months later, a young blonde whom he knocks up less than six months after that. He told her he couldn't have kids, but turns out that was on Donna. Another happy accident. And it's yay Mark. He needs to change his name to Mark Winner by this point. With the life insurance money Mark is flush with cash, he buys a house in the country and starts a new life with his growing family. In no time, he knocks up the nanny again, who seems really nice, by the way. But I'm team Donna, you know, so deal with it. (laughs) And I, I don't mean to be really fucking crude here about that. But in some of the interviews with this nanny, I won't name her. Not that it fucking would make a difference or not. But, you know, I don't want to shut her, call her out too much here. This nanny, when she's recalling everything that she'd been through with Mark and how they met and how much in love she was with him. And, and you know, they have kids together and all that. And how much she cares for Bailey, which she does, the, the adopted child. She's like recalling it fondly. And it's indicative to me that, you know, she's not completely over it considering what happens here. And there's a lot of reasons why I'd be Team Donna, but that's one of them. Speaking of Team Donna, which is so fucking stupid, her sisters, her mother, and father are devastated when Mark forbids them from baby Bailey's life, the adopted child. It's as if he wants Donna and any reminder of her erased from his life. But what about her best friend? You remember the former, the mistress, the best friend, right? Mark had ditched her after the deaths, likely not wanting anyone to suspect there was a link there, which there was. And it's clear, I'm not trying to string you along here. You'll hear this story told the same hacky way everywhere on YouTube. Top five cases with the biggest twists. Some hand-wringing host barely able to share the gory details, blanking out words like abuse while describing a hammer attack to ensure monetization. But anyways, Let's not get too negative here. Let's not hate too hard. Things are going great for the new look wingers at this point. You know, half a year after this uh, this tragedy, this heroic moment, this, this tragic situation, uh, they're going well until the mistress returns, Deanne Schultz. And they're going well until Mark gets incredibly greedy as well. Detectives are surprised when Mark, under the guise of wanting his gun back, visits the police station and begins asking questions about the investigation. But there is no investigation. Why would Mark Winger want answers there? Unless he was worried about something, you know, left unchecked. Detectives forbidden to reopen the case are certain Mark has something to hide now. They were before, too. But they can't do anything about it until Mark finally slips up. Years later, in 1999, he decides to file a lawsuit against BART Shuttle Service, the company that Roger Harrington worked for. The lawsuit is for hiring a man who is clearly unhinged and had a history of mental health issues. It's around the same time that the former mistress, Deanne Schultz, checks into a hospital for her own mental health issues, likely as a result of having lost her best friend years before, whom she'd been banging the husband of. 
a husband who promised he'd someday be with her, and when he ditched her, had warned her to keep her mouth shut, or both of their quote gooses would be cooked. This poor woman, Deanne, tells a doctor the truth, and about her suspicions that Mark had something to do with Donna's death. The doctor advises her to go to the police, if not to clear her conscience, then to clear the name of Roger Harrington and put away a killer and pay back her best friend in some way by bringing up the truth of what actually happened here. Maybe that will cure your mental illness and depression. Worlds are colliding here. Like they say in Seinfeld, that's a callback, but it's getting silly. Mark's mistake in starting a lawsuit has brought lawyers into the mix. When the former mistress goes to the police, they open an investigation, but soon find the evidence in the case missing. The lawyers for Bart Shuttle Services have it. They're conducting their own investigation into the T-shirt that he was wearing that day, Mark Winger, and how it's got a big blood spatter on the right shoulder, uh, indicative of, you know, high-velocity blood coming out of the wound on his head or wounds in her head and hitting him in the shirt. None of this stuff is on Harrington. They tell detectives it's not looking good for Mark Winger. They're looking at the evidence of the, the shell casings, um, his story, it can't be true. And of course, we've already been over that stuff, but we clean as we go and don't hide messes, at least on this episode of Dark Topic. And Mark Winger is finally arrested for the murders of Donna Winger. Let's just get to it. He's arrested for Donna's murder and Roger Harrington's. It's pretty clear once the evidence is laid out that Winger had taken advantage of the inappropriate interaction between Harrington and his wife. He'd built up the framing to pin the patsy with the silent phone calls, the notes in the fridge that he told Donna to write that described her uneasiness with Harrington and the entire situation in that drive home. The invitation over that Mark Winger had given to Roger Harrington and he'd come over and casually set his coffee and smokes down before being shot in the back of the head. What we think happened is that Donna rushed in from tending to the baby upon hearing the gunshots. She probably went in there to tend to the baby because of the awkwardness of Harrington showing up at the house. And when she came into the room, into the living room, she was met with a hammer attack from a man she never knew. The blood spatter showed this too. It's like she turned around and tried to get out the front door. There's blood out closer to the hallway that goes to the front door, not near where her body is. This is all missed by investigators because they quickly want to wrap the case up in the beginning and are happy with the way that the press is handling it, and they're content with hearing that one of their fellow officers says, this guy's a piece of shit. I own the trailer park he lives at. Also, everybody loves the idea of, of Mark Winger coming in and, you know, winging bullets at everything and uh, being the hero. So she didn't know the man who killed her. He was a sleeper cell she'd been sleeping with for a decade before they'd uh, adopted and he'd buzzed to life when she returned home in a tizzy after visiting her parents in Florida. And this was the structure of which Winger fit the perfect plan, pouring from her lips like concrete. It was damn perfect until he started screwing with it. This is a perfect crime. But like any piece of art, an additional splash in the corner, like the splash in Mark's shirt, clearly from a high-velocity spatter of blood, it ruins the whole thing. Though I suppose you could say when it comes to the fact that Winger got greedy for the justice of Donna Winger and the troubled Roger Harrington, this all led 
to its own happy accident. And that wasn't good enough to end on, you know? I love a mic drop and big bang and beats at the end of Dark Topic episodes, but that wasn't quite it, was it? Can we run that back? Do I have any more here? I'm just going to use what I was going to use in the outro. Can I give this another go? So, while in prison, serving life without parole after being found guilty on two counts of first-degree murder, Mark Winger arranged to have a convicted murderer, a child murderer, I believe, who's the hack now, right? To set up a kidnapping on the outside of the prison with his, I don't know, criminal friends, Winger wanted his childhood friend, a multi-millionaire who refused to post bail for the killer upon his arrest, to be home invaded, beat up, robbed thoroughly, then executed. He then wanted his ex-mistress, Deanne Schultz, to be forced to write a suicide note, which would contain a confession that she made up her accusations against Mark Winger. Shit like how he had spoken about getting rid of Donna, then kill her in a way that looked like suicide. He said some of things like that. Which is crazy because that's exactly what he's trying to do to Deanne Schultz now. The inmate whom he is conspiring with turns on Winger, going to authorities and being rewarded with three grand in commissary credit, along with being relocated to a cushier prison. And the fact that Mark Winger is such a greedy, scheming lowlife and is exactly where he should be bode well for a child killer rat in prison. And maybe that is a happy accident? No, it's not. I fucked it up twice. And that will do it. I hope I didn't have too much fun there. Sometimes in the pursuit of creating something that I hope will be clever, it ends up plain dumb. But those are, you know, the chances you take. In true art. <laughs> it's that overdabbing at the uh, painting effect. I guess I'm happy with it, you know. But are you? Let's read some reviews. I've written this down ahead of time. I can't fucking deliver today. Uh, let's read some reviews and see how I've been doing in the ears of Dark Topic listeners. That might be fun. Let's try that out. Let's take a look at my reviews. I don't do this often. Longtime listener. Five stars. I've been listening to Dark Topic for years. I work a lot and listening to Jack and Kent and Deadbug and now Aaron is sometimes the closest I get to the feeling of just chilling in the basement with my buddies when I was a kid shooting the breeze. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Tom Weaver. Um. One star. Another Patreon show release. Why pay? Jack is obviously spiraling. Oh, that's from De Miss Divine, Divine Misty. She, like, makes a new one-star comment every month because she's fucking cool and has a lot of time on her hands, I guess. She, she shits on every podcast. Okay. Uh, Bob's Burgers. Your voice. Great show. Oh, I sound like the guy from Bob's Burgers, a lot of people say which I take as an insult, just so you know. And let's see. Jack is a true master of his craft. One star, though. What's that all about? Excellent cast, but don't you think it's a bit early to go practically full Patreon on us? Early? I've been doing this for like seven or eight years. I feel like it makes a poignant statement about your character or perhaps your substance issues. Oh, it's, I love sharing and then having it thrown back in my face. <laughs> I already felt dirty after listening, and you're making it worse. Thanks, Wu Banga. You're fucking awesome, man. Thank you so much for giving me a one-star 
while, um, you know, complimenting me and then tearing me down. So it looks like there's some some issue there with people thinking that I'm putting out too much Patreon content. If you listen on Apple, you'll see how much Patreon content I put out because there's Apple Plus now and it's provided there. So if you're not subscribed to to Apple Plus, then you don't have access to it. And I guess you feel left out because it's right in your face. I can't help that. I'm sorry. Um, I do put out a lot of content on Patreon because that's my main source of income. And I have a family to support. So I hope that many of you uh, can understand that. And uh, I don't know. Other than that, go fuck yourself, I guess. But thank you for the positive reviews. There's a ton there. I do read them all. Um, You know, I've gone recently to do a new podcast called Maroon. I've been working on it for months. That slowed down some of my content for sure. Um, But this is a project that I'm very passionate about. I'm working on it with, uh, what's his name again? Aaron Habel of the Generation Y podcast. And it's an amazing opportunity for me. Aaron and I met quite a while ago, and he recently retired from his job. The maniac was working a job the whole time while doing really well with his podcast, uh, Generation Y, like the OG of true crime podcast. And he, uh, him and I talked about using his spare time to work on a project with me. <laughs> so check out Marooned. Marooned is a podcast I'm doing on the side. We work on it in the mornings. I do. We both of us, you know, have set that time aside and now we do everything else that we do during the day. And it's been really cool. Man. Like I get up around four in the morning and work on this till seven and then do dark topic and Patreon stuff for dark topic. Uh, Marooned is a real passion project between the two of us. It's not true crime, but there's a lot of darkness to it. And um, it's been really refreshing to work on. I'll play you a trailer for it right now. I know you've already heard the teaser, but I'll play one more just to remind you to go check out Marooned. And uh, I hope you're all well. Until next time, keep those eyes cocked, those doors locked, and stay paranoid. If you want to support the podcast, go over to Patreon or check out Apple+. Plus. Um, there is a $5 option on Patreon, but you do get everything on Apple+, Plus that's additional. Uh, that's Tales from the Bottom Down. That's Brutal with, with Deadbug. That's uh, Brutal with Kent Chungus. Uh, that's the Luna Bins once in a while I do with my brother, Leroy from Excuse Me, That's Illegal podcast. And that's Dark Topic Plus, which is a couple of more dark topics a month. Um, that's on Apple Plus. And if you come over to uh, Patreon, you get all that plus more at the 13th floor. And then at $5, you just get Dark Topic Plus, which is a couple of extra dark topics a month plus early releases. So, did I say eyes cock doors lock stay paranoid? Well, I'll say it twice. And uh, check out this teaser. Please check out Marooned. Uh, rate, review, subscribe. Thank you. Hello, I'm Aaron Habel of the Generation Y podcast, and I've been stranded on an island working with Jack Luna from Dark Topic for months. His show, like mine, is true crime based. But since he kidnapped me from a cruise ship, tossing us both overboard at a crime event. Uh, Aaron! What are you doing over there? Did you get that coconut phone working? I'd like to introduce you to our new podcast, Marooned, Stories of the Catastrophically Lost. Here, give me that thing if it's working. Let me do it my way here. Marooned. Your life just might depend on it. The Marathon of the Sands, southern Morocco's grueling event, widely known as the Marathon de Saab, is considered the most difficult foot race on Earth. Held in the unforgiving Sahara Desert, 
This six-day race stretches 250 kilometers over shifting, wind-blown dunes, challenging the world's most persistent and durable competitors since 1986. Contestants are expected to be self-sufficient and carry their own supplies, though medical support, tents, and rations of water are provided at half a dozen designated checkpoints spaced across an expanse of unforgiving desert full of pitfalls. This ultramarathon is tough enough on its own without something going wrong, and there is a lot that can go wrong jogging through a desert for a week. Some drop out, some, unfortunately, drop dead. And in 1994, one contestant, Moro Prosperi, seemed to drop off the face of the earth. Welcome to Maroon, Stories of the Catastrophically Lost. I'm Jack Luna, this is Aaron Habel, and I can tell from Aaron's outfit, short shorts, tank top, cute little sun visor, that he's ready to take off running into this one, aren't you, Aaron? Absolutely. I'm raring to go, Jack. That is Marooned. Now that you've heard it, you need to subscribe. Head out to whatever podcast app you use, search for Marooned, and subscribe. Thank you.